Welcome back to Money and Meaning, stories of unlocking the potential of global markets for impact. I'm your host, Alex Kravitz. On this week's episode, I'm joined by Christina Leyenhuvid, the CEO of Tideline's new independent verification business, Bluemark. Tideline is an impact investing consulting company that helps clients develop impact strategies and solutions. About a year ago, Tideline launched a verification service to meet the growing need for independent third-party verification of impact claims and practices. This need for independent verification is principle nine of the IFC's Operating Principles for Impact Management, a framework providing investors an end-to-end process to meet best practices and industry standards for impact management. During our conversation, Christina and I talk about the evolution of impact measurement and management, the need to measure for both positive and negative impacts, and the increasing importance of independent verification as more and more products are introduced and labeled as impact. Let's jump into the conversation. Christina, welcome to Money and Meaning. Thanks so much, Alex. It's great to be here. Before we get into the recent spinoff of, of Tideline's impact verification business into, into Bluemark, your, your new entity, um, can you provide some background on Tideline and, and the work that you do there? Yeah, absolutely. So Tideline is a specialist impact investing consulting firm that I co-founded with my two partners, Ben Thornley and Kim Wright Village, about six and a half years ago now. And um, we created Tideline really to help clients develop and execute impact investment strategies and have been working with a broad range of investors, helping them really design and implement impact management and measurement systems that are robust and best in class. Impact measurement has been one of the most kind of intractable challenges, I would say, to overcome for for the field, um, at least in the, the five or so years that that I've been involved, although there has been considerable progress in, the, in that time. Um, can you provide a little bit of the historical context for the impact management conversation? How has it developed and, and evolved over the, the time since you founded Tideline? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, pre-Tideline, I actually founded J.P. Morgan's social finance effort, which was a sort of boutique social investment bank within the broader investment okay. bank. And, was involved in the early days of the uh, coining of the term impact investing and and build out of the field. And at that time, I think that it was a pretty small tent and there was a real desire to, to see the tent grow. I think now that we're operating in a much, much bigger tent uh, when it comes to impact investing, there's a lot of focus now on sort of greater segmentation, greater clarity of and positioning of of the various actors in the market. On the impact measurement front, I think there's been a real evolution in focus. So I think in the early days, there was a really singular focus on impact measurement as one of the key criteria by which you judge whether or not an impact investor was really legitimately um, Mm -hmm. fulfilling their stated intentions. But since those early days, I think the, the market has gravitated to a broader concept of impact management, which is really about how an investor backs up its, its intentions with, you know, really a set of processes and practices 
that are embedded throughout the various stages in the investment process. So everything from how they you know, articulate their impact strategy and thesis to how they conduct impact due diligence, to how they conduct sort of reporting and measurement of impact, how they follow up when impact doesn't achieve stated targets. So impact management has become sort of the term of the day. And now most recently, I think impact verification and impact assurance have become uh, much more widely recognized as a requirement, almost a requirement for entry into the market at, at this stage to ensure that you know, an expert third party is looking at, you know, how uh, an investor's practices and claims are being backed up in reality. It seems like a couple of years ago, it was impact measurement. And, and then, you know, then it changed to impact measurement and management. So that, that management part, as you, as you mentioned, is about kind of tracking it across the entire investment life cycle. Is that how you would define that, that extra M? Yeah, yeah, that's a really good way of talking about it. It's really about how an investor integrates impact into each step of the investment decision-making and management process in much the same way that, you know, financial considerations are integrated across traditional investment process. So this is, you know, again, about, about how you screen investments for impact, how you diligence them, how you structure and manage those investments throughout the life of your investment, how you monitor and report on the impact, and how you conduct exits um, from your investments with a consideration to sustaining that impact. Yeah, I imagine that exits pose a significant challenge. I mean, you you need to exit at some point in order for it to be a successful investment, but there's so much uncertainty about the um, the, the social mission of of the um, the organization acquiring the the investment. Yeah, I, I really want to give a lot of credit to the IFC and the sixty signatories who launched the operating principles for impact management last April and April twenty nineteen because not only did they create sort of a very clear and digestible framework for impact management that investors could sign on to, but one of the the nine principles was in fact a principle around how exits are conducted with a view to ensuring that impact would be sustained. And it's true that that's a high bar for, for many players in the market. And it's one area where we see a lot of room for improvement uh, and enhancement mm-hmm. of sort of practices and systems, but an important one to have put on the table, I think, for the market. Mm-hmm. And you, you mentioned it briefly, but um, the next, the most recent step that, that you started at Tideline and, and now have spun out is, is your verification practice. Can you explain what you mean by verification and, and why the, the need for this service? Yeah, absolutely. So as I mentioned, as impact investing became a bigger and bigger tent, we've seen more and more mainstream players enter the market. There's been an increasing demand for you know, kind of efficient ways to differentiate uh, and compare impact investment products, but also to have a sort of an assurance and accountability to the label. And so, you know, we see independent third-party impact verification of both impact practices and impact claims around performance as a critical way of sort of continuing to instill trust in the label, in the impact label, 
And as really a key antidote to, you know, concerns around impact washing and greenwashing, rainbow washing, whatever you want to call it. Um, so that really was sort of the big picture impetus for our developing an impact verification service, you know, on a more on the more tactical end. In our consulting business, we were finding that many of our clients uh, were looking for an expert sort of third-party opinion on the sort of impact of various products. And that was a particular need for those clients who signed on to the operating principles for impact management that I mentioned. There's a hundred plus signatories now, a lot of them being asset managers, um, but there are also some asset allocators and asset owners in the mix. And, you know, one of the big innovations of that framework was the actual explicit requirement of independent verification. So not only were, were many parties interested in getting verified, but they were actually compelled to do so by that particular set of principles. Um, so Tideline you know, has launched Bluemark, which is an independent business providing impact verification services. Uh, we launched the business formally in 2020, but just came out with the brand of Bluemark um, a couple of weeks ago. And uh, we're looking to meet the growing demand in the market for, for verification of impact practices, impact reports, and impact mandates. Can you give an example of, of what you're verifying? Is it, you know, the number of people served? Are you verifying that, you know, the outcomes are, are what their client desires? What exactly are you looking for with these verifications? Yeah, um, our inaugural kind of signature service is an impact, what I'd call an impact management practice verification. And it is against the operating principles for impact management. So it really is an evaluation of the robustness and the degree of alignment of an investor's whole set of methodologies, frameworks, and tools to these operating principles. And that includes how they set impact targets, how they report against those targets, how they engage with their investees when those impact targets aren't met. It includes how they conduct exits. So it's a very rigorous evaluation of the degree of alignment to those standards. Mm -hmm. Do you have an example of an issue that you discovered while working on a verification and, and how the client was able to to use that discovery to improve their outcomes? Yeah, it's a great question. We've, well, so we've completed about 20 impact verifications to date for a pretty wide cross-section of the market. I mean, spanning private equity players, private credit, multi-asset, public markets, players, development finance institutions, commercial players. So we've, oh, wow. we've really sort of covered, a, yeah, a gamut of, of different actors in the market. And um, we explicitly designed our service to go beyond a sort of checking the box compliance activity. And to do so, we are, you know, helping our clients by evaluating not only their areas of strength, but their areas for improvement. And along with that, we've actually developed a rating system to help benchmark each of our clients kind of practices against what we consider moderate practice, advanced, high, and low, that allows for some comparability. To answer your question directly, well, we've we've had many learnings over the course of these 
20 odd verifications to date. One of the, I think, new features in the market that we're seeing is sort of a, a coalescence of both ESG risk and performance management practices and impact management practices. They're beginning to come together. Um, the operating principles, for example, bring them together into a single framework. What we're finding is that many, many clients are strong on one but not necessarily on the other. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, sometimes traditional pure play dedicated impact managers haven't given a lot of thought to sort of the, the ESG risks and kind of operating factors of their investees and don't always have kind of robust systems for kind of evaluating and managing those kinds of effects or those kinds of risks. And on the other hand, we see some of the mainstream players coming to the market having longstanding ESG policies in place that are fairly well well thought through, but are very new to sort of how to evaluate and report on impact. So um, we're seeing some dichotomy there in, in the market, for example. And then the exit question that we've touched on already is a, is a high bar. As I mentioned, a lot of players have room for improvement on how they go about conducting exits with a view to trying to sustain the impact after the life of their own investment in, in a particular company or, mm-hmm. or project. Can, can you explain what the difference is between the two aspects you mentioned, the ESG risk um, aspect and the, the impact? Yeah. So I think, you know, the world of ESG investing has existed for longer than the the sort of world of mm-hmm. impact investing and ESG standing for environmental, social and governance factors is a way for companies to sort of report out and disclose on what elements of environmental, social or governance factors may pose either risks to their operations or maybe material either from a financial perspective or directly from an impact perspective. But they're often related to the operations of a business as opposed to the actual products, services, or outcomes that the the company may be actually contributing to. So it tends to be more around business operations. It might be something like the extent to which you know, a, a company may be managing their carbon emissions, but, you know, producing other toxic wastes through their operations and really needs to have a, a process in place for mitigating and managing those, those risks. It may be around gender equity in the workplace, you know, policies around equal pay, things of that nature. Mm-hmm. I spoke with um, Rahana Nathu on the podcast a few months ago, and she she mentioned that for most investors, the impact strategy is to maximize positive impact in one area while minimizing negative impact or negative externalities in, in other areas. Um, how does measuring negative impact factor into the, the IMM process? Yeah, it's a great question. And I think it's an increasingly important focus in the market. I do think you know frameworks like the Impact Management Project They've created a framework around the five dimensions of impact, including impact risks and and negative impacts, has has really advanced the market's focus on looking at 
managing for net positive impact. So Mm -hmm. it's part and parcel of why I said, you know, when we look at the quality of an impact report, we look at the balance with which impact information is provided so that, you know, an investor is not just cherry picking the sort of positive impact elements that they're targeting, but also disclosing where there may be impact risks or unintended consequences or, or negative impacts that are just part and parcel of, of the strategy that need to be managed. No strategy is foolproof. And I think most buyers of impact product are, are smart enough to know that if they're only seeing the positive metrics, they're only getting part of the story. So more and more investors are moving towards sort of a net impact framework of reporting. And that's why it's really important that it be an independent source who's conducting that that verification in order to provide that that trust in the that you're getting the whole picture. We definitely believe so. Yeah, <laughs> I think, um, and and the market is increasingly, you know, demanding that there be some um, sort of third party, you know, accountability to an independent expert third party. Hmm. Is the end goal like a a standardized reporting process that is regulated similar to financial accounting? I mean, do you think that's the direction that the field is is going in? It's a great question. I think we're we're seeing, you know, a lot of work, particularly happening out of Europe on kind of integrated reporting standards. And definitely the EU is really pushing for for more of a a disclosure standard um, that would be, in fact, regulated. I think there's still a lot of work to do on on that to get to an integrated reporting of impact and financial performance. But it's it's absolutely, you know, the goal we should be working towards. I think as as an industry, and I think I think the regulators do have some role to play here as well. I also think there will always be some aspect of impact reporting that will be tailored and and bespoke to a particular strategy and the particular context in which an investment is being made. And it's much easier to, to go towards fully integrated financial and impact reporting, I think, around some of the climate and environmental metrics, which lend themselves more to monetization, if you will, than you know, a lot of areas of sort of social impact and social risk. So we we have a long way to go. How much of it is driven by the ability to monetize the, you know, impact performance, right? It's voluntary, right? As of now, companies are opting into this process. So to your point earlier about concerns around whitewashing, you know, presumably those companies would would be less inclined to opt into a verification process if they're, there's less substance to their their impact products. So do you think it gets to the point where there's a marketing value or a, do you think that's the direction it's headed towards? Is it already there? I think there is a, clearly some marketing value today in getting independently verified because it is not yet totally ubiquitous. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, however soon, it will become simply sort of a, a price of entry to the market. I do have some concerns about the monetization drive. I think that there are certain contexts in which it is absolutely 
appropriate and possible to to monetize impact um, that you know there there will be many players who have an ability to translate their impact strategies in directly into you know kind of financial alpha if you will um, because they're managing risks that others aren't recognizing today they're they're gaining an edge but I I also think they're there are a lot of material impact risks and outcomes that warrant, you know, reporting, even if not monetizable. Um, so I think too narrow a focus on, you know, the materiality based only on those factors that are quote monetizable is potentially taking us down a, a too narrow a path as a market. Yeah, that that makes sense. Um, you, you've mentioned a few separate standards. You mentioned. IFC's operating principles for impact management and um, the impact management project and um, GIN's Iris Plus is another big one. Um, do they cover different parts of the IMM process? I mean, what, and I guess kind of as a follow-on, like what would you consider to be good practice, like a holistic, you know, approach to IMM? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, there is still a challenge with the alphabet soup of standards that are out there. <laughs> yeah. And I recognize that there's still a lot more work for this market to do to keep harmonizing and optimizing the standards. But the operating principles for impact management, I think, represent a really, really great holistic framework that, again, encapsulates the key elements at a high level of what constitutes a robust impact management system. IRIS Plus is really a, a metrics System. It's a it's a framework for identifying the appropriate metrics dependent on your impact thesis or strategy. So it's sort of like the gap for impact, okay. if you will, an accounting yeah. <laughs> framework for for impact. You know, I think you know we're seeing some really good harmonization efforts in the standards market with IRIS and another framework called HIPSO. If you want to just hmm. add another acronym to the mix, I'm <laughs> I not don't know sure. that one. I'm not even sure what HIPSO actually stands for, but it's it's the um, the metrics framework that's used by development finance institutions. A lot of development players use it, and and so Iris and HIPSO are together working to harmonize those two frameworks, which I think is a great step. And on the corporate, so that's for investors. On the corporate side, we're seeing GRI, the Global Reporting Initiative, and SASB come together as well, the Sustainable Accounting Standards Board, to harmonize the reporting against ESG metrics for corporates. And so we're beginning to see some some work to kind of really clarify how these various standards kind of work together. You mentioned like a number of different types of investors that you've worked with, international development and private equity and public markets. do you think that it'll start to converge like a standardized measurement process across impact areas and asset types? So do you think there'll always be a requirement for a certain element of like bespoke reporting? I think there's a ton of white space and room for common standard in terms of what constitutes the key elements of a robust impact measurement and reporting framework. And so I still think we have a ways to go, notwithstanding the fact that, you know, so much has gone into it. And I think we're making 
progress by leaps and bounds, you know, right now with the various efforts I talked about on, on harmonizing these various frameworks, but we do still need, we, we almost need sort of an operating principles for impact reporting specifically impact measurement and reporting that brings it all together. That being said, I think that will, that will help with a minimum kind of standard for reporting. But I, I do think, um, there will always be some element of bespoke and proprietary kind of nature. You know, I think that investors want, I think, a combination of metrics and storytelling and narratives. And then they want to know that the evidence behind the sort of thesis and the the stated alignment to sustainable development goals, for example, that the evidence exists. For that, but I, I think there's hunger for more than just a sort of spreadsheet of metrics. Yeah, that's interesting. The storytelling is is definitely an important component, especially as you get farther away from the impact with some of the asset classes like you know, investing in public equities. You feel very far removed from seeing the impact of of your investments. Um, where where do the SDGs fit into it? How does that fit into the IMM practice? Yeah, well. Super important. Um, UNDP is is coming out with a set of standards um, they're calling SDG Impact, and that will provide a kind of a very robust set of practice standards around reporting against the SDGs for various asset classes. We are definitely seeing, you know, most investors having adopted the SDGs in their impact reports, but we also see that there's been not a lot of guidance about how to do, conduct that reporting. Mm-hmm. So one, one of the services we are providing our investors is, you know, kind of a, a discreet look into the SDGs they're reporting against, how aligned their thesis actually is uh, with the underlying targets for those SDGs. So I think the, the SDGs represents one really important, very pervasive element of impact reporting that warrants verification in its own right. Mm-hmm. You mentioned that you launched the verification practice, I think about a, about a year ago, um, although you just spun out Bluemark a couple of weeks ago. So congratulations. Um, what, you. What, did you, what did you expect the response to be like from the investment community when you launched the verification practice? And, and, and how is the last year or so, how has the response been? Yeah, well, we had our plans in place to launch, of course, pre-pandemic, and um, we're, you know, all set to sort of do the formal launch in April of this year. And then, of course, um, for all of us, the world changed so dramatically. And so we delayed the formal launch. But if anything, over, you know, the last six months of living through this COVID pandemic, we've seen just a surge in interest and demand for not just impact product, but but impact product that has been certified or, or assured in some way. And so we've actually really gotten a tailwind in, in some perverse sense from, you know, the various crises that we're living through and the just expanding conscious and interest in you know, driving towards investments that have a clear social and environmental and economic justice impact. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's definitely been a silver lining, I would say, of the pandemic is the increased uh, awareness about 
the impact field and you know the way investors are deploying their their capital. What is, what does this look like across the different issue? I mean, is, does it look different in environmental impact versus social impact? I imagine like environmental impact is more easily quantifiable in some ways, right? Like how, how does the how does impact measurement compare for environmental issues versus social impact issues? Yeah, it's a great question. I think it is absolutely true that environmental impacts are lend themselves more to kind of quantification and sort of observation, you know, more rigorous measurement and and accountability to those measurements. But I think across environmental and social impact areas, we, we do see, you know, some common principles, common foundations for what constitutes, again, a complete picture. So, you know, even in the case, a complete picture of impact, I should say, mm-hmm. and it has to go further than just a discrete set of metrics, even in cases where an investment thesis um, centers particularly on, for example, reducing carbon emissions or avoiding greenhouse gas emissions, there will be a whole set of other impacts around whether it's workforce safety, there could be other other economic justice elements to the strategy that, that will warrant measurement and reporting and commentary in, in, in an impact reporting. So I think I think there's a common set of standards for robust reporting that that undergirds and kind of spans both environmental and social, despite the fact that, yes, it's easier to quantify and easier to monetize environmental impact. So now that you've spun out Blue Mark, what's what's next? What are the what are the plans for for the new entity? Yeah, well, um, thanks. I, I uh, we have our work um, set out for us, of course, yes. where, um, you know, we are. Uh, really looking to make Bluemark one of the dominant providers of of independent impact verification. Uh, we expect the market's going to organize around a few players, and and Bluemark will be one of them. So, in addition to our initial focus on you know impact management practice verification and impact reporting verification, you know we're really excited to kind of work with the various standard setters to help contribute to greater harmonization of those standards, clearer frameworks for what constitutes sort of a universal standard for impact reporting. And as the market continues to harmonize across these various standards, we're convinced that the market will continue to scale, bring even more capital in. And for us, the the panacea is scaling with integrity, not scale for scale's sake. Why, why the decision to spin it out? Is that so Bluemark becomes kind of associated with uh, trust in like the impact label? Yeah, we, we felt it was very important to establish Bluemark as an independent service and an independent business. My career at JP Morgan, I ran a ratings business and various risk management teams. So I'm very mm-hmm. focused on the risks of conflicts of interest and so on. So we wanted to make sure that we avoided any conflicts between our consulting business and our verification business. And the integrity that we're looking to instill in the market starts with, with us. Um, so we, we are building Blue Mark itself on a foundation of integrity and independence and expertise. Is there anything that, that I haven't asked that you'd like to, 
to mention before I let you go? Anything that you think would be valuable to, to share? The only thing I, I would add is that I think, you know, verification, in addition to just bringing that basic level of accountability, we think is very helpful in inducing sort of the almost a competition around what constitutes best practice. And, and so we're, we're really committed to, you know, helping our clients really gain insights into where they have to improve to align more to best practice. And we think that's going to create a virtuous dynamic in the market where, you know, performance and practice will continually improve as that sort of healthy competitive dynamic is, is set in motion and then the last thing I think, you know, key feature of the way in which we've grounded our, our services is really the comparability, the ability to benchmark investor practices, um, compare them against one another or against sort of standards for what constitutes advanced practice or a weaker practice. We think that's key to, to driving the market forward. Is that to create some competition in the marketplace or is that to, you know, be able to more closely track like financial outcomes with impact performance? What, what is the goal of, of creating that benchmarking? You know, it's really to make life simpler for asset owners and, and investors. Those who are deploying capital into impact investments need easier ways to sort through, you know, the, the vast array of products and, and to be able to compare on an apples to apples basis, one, one to another. So that's, that's ultimately, I think, you know, the interests that are being served here. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much for, for taking the time to talk with me and, and uh, best of luck with, with Blue Mark and, and uh, looking forward to seeing what, what comes next. Thanks, Alex. It's been a real pleasure. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Money and Meaning. I hope that you enjoyed the conversation with Christina Leinhoven, the CEO of Bluemark. If you want to learn more about Bluemark, their spin out from Tideline, about the IFC's operating principles for impact management, or any of the other topics discussed, check out our blog at socialcapitalmarkets.net for more information. If you want to reach me directly with guest ideas, feedback, ideas for the show, feel free to send me a note at moneyandmeaningpodcast at gmail.com. And as always, if you enjoyed the episode, we ask you share it with a friend, rate us five stars on iTunes or post about it on social media. Any of those ways to support the show are, are very much appreciated on our end. Thanks for listening. And we'll be back in two weeks with a new episode.